from Portland, it's the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This week, the team breaks down the Farmer's Almanac, Hurricane Delta, and you'll get to play along with our Cities of the Week. Now, here they are, Brian McMillan, Mark Nelson, and Jeff Forgeron. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. We're back for Episode 7 now. Uh, I'm joined with uh, meteorologist Jeff Forgeron, Chief Meteorologist Mark Nelson. I'm meteorologist Brian McMillan. Hey, guys. Good afternoon, Brian. Good afternoon, Brian. We're all coming to you from our own houses. We're able to do this, uh, you know, through uh, some podcast software, some uh, Zoom as well, so we can all see each other. Uh, and uh, we haven't all been in the same location together for a very long time. So I, I, I miss you guys, or I miss hanging out with you all. Miss we you go too. Have a lunch or sometime soon. Uh, lunch or something soon. We got to do that. I think that's a great um, idea. Mark, you've been off for a couple of days. Uh, I've been holding down the <laughs> fort. <laughs> you you said you were okay about talking about why you've been off, but this is you 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 reached an advanced age recently, and once you uh, <laughs> once you hit a certain age, you have to do certain uh, uh, things. And why don't, why don't you uh, go ahead and talk about that a little bit? That's right. You know, in fact, that's funny. I just did our corporate training on uh, sensitivity and, and what whatnot. And I remember one of the things was you cannot discriminate based on age. So I have a record right here on the podcast in case there's Very ever good. an issue in the Very future. Good. For the record, there's not discrimination. I, I know. We're just pointing out. No, on the serious side, you know, the every. I'll just be honest. Everybody has to is supposed to, as as far as I'm aware. I'm not a medical expert, but uh, everybody after 50 is supposed to get a colonoscopy, right? And uh, you should for good reason. Um, and uh, I think a lot of guys, especially because you know, I, I just think us guys tend to be a little lazier in getting to the doctor and taking care of things. And sure. um, and yeah, a lot of people put it off. I didn't put it off, um, but I did it, and it was not that big of a deal. I mean, there's a, you basically have to spend a day with a juice diet which is really boring. You don't realize how you look forward to like, oh, what am I going to have for dinner? When there's nothing to look forward to, it's a sad day. So uh, my advice to everybody is it's not that big of a deal. Just do it. It was yesterday. I pretty much forgot about it except for now. So it's not a big deal. Get it done. As the lady in the uh, room said, one of the nurses said, she goes, if you could see somebody you know, that had to deal with colon cancer, see what they have to go through, you'd say, oh, this is nothing. So... Get it done, folks. If you're so, over fifty, if you're old, get it done. Are, are you in the clear? Everything's good, and 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 you're all you're all good, or do you know yet? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Ready to report for duty, reports sir. Reports tell us. Yeah. Yeah. All right, good, good to hear. That's great, and that's great advice too. I mean, I I'm a big proponent of uh, going to the doctor when you need to and getting stuff checked out. And it's always easier to take care of any issues early on than it is later yep. on. So. Uh, yeah, the good stuff, and, and uh, that, that makes me happy that everything's good. What I gotta ask though, what was your meal that you were looking forward to after not being able to actually eat solid food for like a full day? We picked up a Domino's pizza on the way home. Nice pizza. Hey, yeah. There you go. Why not? It was great. Yeah. I don't think I helped though. We had Voodoo Donuts deliver donuts to the news station. <laughs> couple days yep. ago and i sent a picture to mark accidentally <laughs> i didn't really know it was coming up though we that like donut looks so though. good that donut looks so good it was maple something anyway yeah so get it done uh, folks otherwise it's it, you know my my own medical stuff is my business but i wanted to share because i really want to point out folks you should get it done let's get into our local headlines the news headlines are next here's what's happening right now well we had a few really really nice days uh in fact uh 
one of our uh, only 80 degree days that we've had in October was on the second, uh, the only ones we've had since, uh, what, five years ago? I think so, 2015. Correct? So that was yeah. a five year gap there without hitting 80 in October. What our average high is in the mid to upper 60s. So it was pretty darn yeah. warm. And the sunshine, hasn't the sunshine been great? It's, it's been almost intense. Like I stood out on the deck the last couple of days and it was like, man, even with that low sun, sun angle, you're, it was, I think the, with the exception to yesterday, because we had that wildfire smoke in the air, the day before, we nearly hit 80 degrees, and it just felt it felt so warm outside. Yeah, pretty, good stuff. Pretty great stuff, yeah, yeah. And coming up now, well, obviously, if, if, if you've taken a look outside today, we're recording this on Thursday. It is cooler. It is cloudier. We're going to stick with this uh, cooler pattern here all the way through the middle of next week. And not only that, the rain is back in the picture. So instead of a uh, dimmer switch here on fall, we're just going to flip the switch. And now here we are to cooler, cloudier, wetter weather. Uh, but let's talk uh, Let's talk about what's going to happen a little farther down the line. Just touch on it here because we did tease it last episode. Let's talk a little bit about La Nina and what that means here for the Pacific Northwest and, and mainly here for the Portland metro area and, and the mountains and all that, Mark. Yeah, Brian, you know, uh, just today, Noah put out the uh, their ENSO advisory, which they do once per month. And that basically said, hey, we're in a La Nina. And it looks like it's either going to be a, a moderate, weak to moderate La Nina. And some models have it as a strong La Nina this winter. And of course, that's a cooling of the tropical Pacific. And that affects weather all around the globe. Uh, we haven't seen a La Nina since 1718. I think that's it. Yep. And um, as of now, it's kind of on the edge of weak to moderate. And all the models say it'll at least stay, stay that strong through the winter. So we're pretty much baked in for the uh, atmospheric circulation for this winter. Now, the big question is, right, what does everybody want to know, guys? It's all about the snow, oh, right? Yeah. It's all about oh, snow yeah. in Portland. So about the snow, you know, the last La Nina, we only had a little bit of snow uh, late in the winter in February, but the one before, oh my gosh, Brian, you remember this. It was just ice storm and then snowstorm and then ice yep. and snow and it was crazy. Um, that was a little bit unusual, but it seems most La Ninos, we get some sort of snowfall in the winter. So this isn't, I haven't done my like kind of official winter outlook. I'll be doing that soon, probably within the next two weeks, but um uh, my guess is we're going to get some sort of snow at some point this winter. But but the thing that really sticks out with La Nina's, we tend to get um, uh, really active winters where we have uh, things change. We don't tend to get stuck in patterns for long periods. So we might be cold and dry for a while, and then suddenly we get a brief ice storm, and then it's warm and wet. Maybe we get some flooding. Uh, and then, you know, a short time later, we're out of the stormy pattern, and we're back to cold and dry. So things really change a lot in La Nina winters as opposed to uh, maybe I think it was last winter. Yeah, it was really slow, wasn't it? All the way up until we had a half inch of snow in March. It was just really a quiet winter. I think that uh, people are more well-equipped here to deal with if, if we do get some snow this winter uh, because we've all been kind of stuck in indoors during the pandemic. I think people are really going to welcome the snow here this time around because not only will it give them something to do, go outside and play in it for a little while, but also uh, being stuck in your house for a week, not being able to drive anywhere. Hey, we've done it for seven months now at this point, so it's That's not true. that big of a deal. What does it mean for the mountains typically, Mark? Yeah, I was just thinking in the Cascades, I think most skiers know La Nina winters generally, not all of them, but most of them have above average snowfall in the Cascades. So um, that's pretty good news, especially in the North Oregon Cascades. Not so much if you get to Southern Oregon like Willamette Pass, Mount Ashland, and then into California. Then they don't tend to get really good snow in these years. But it's all about Northern Oregon up into Washington. And some La Ninas are just huge for snow. 
And in some La Ninas, you get a lot more snow in kind of the marginal snow climates along the foothills, like I'm thinking of Sandy or Welch's or Estacada or Detroit. Um, those places tend to get more snow in these winters because we tend to see a lower snow level more often, even if Portland doesn't get that much snow. Yeah, and up on the mountain, they're, they're of course, you know, dealing with the pandemic uh, as well up there and trying to figure out how they're going to operate. Now, if we get a really, really good snow season up there on the mountain, of course, they're going to want to take advantage of it and get as many people as they can up there. What I've heard is that some of the resorts are deciding to uh, kind of stagger the time that you can come up. So you you can you can't just show up and, and ski or snowboard whenever you want. You get a time where you get to go up and kind of start your day. So some people might start, you know, at 8 or 9 in the morning. Other people might start at 1 or 2 in the afternoon. So you're going to have to do a little bit more planning than maybe you did in the past, but hopefully that will help with traffic and stuff like that too. Yeah, it's going to have a different feel, just like they did in the late spring. And then uh, I remember Timberline ran their bike park all summer, and, you know, it was just you had, you had to reserve, like you said, and it was just more, let's say, organized. There you go. Yeah. And I know one thing that we really like to look at, uh, Mark, is the the Farmer's Almanac. And we we don't use it. We don't use it for uh, forecasting necessarily. I know some people out there do. They look at it uh, and we've uh, Mark, you've done some studies on the Farmer's Almanac and and we've determined that it's actually for at least for our area. uh, You could flip a coin and it would actually have better odds on predicting the, the the weather than it would looking at the farmer's almanac and that's not to you know disparage them or anything like that in their work but we don't really know quite how they get their information what does it say for us coming up here this winter well i can disparage them i'll do that if you want okay want to, Brian. <laughs> throwing shade yeah, throwing shade okay so the farmers now most people don't know this there's actually two different farmers almanacs there's the farmers almanac and then there's the old farmers almanac and one has the apostrophe between the R and the S, and one does not. Got it? Okay. They're put out by the same company? No, no, they're competitors. I mean, this goes way back to the early 1800s or late 1700s. This goes way back to, like, you know, colonial times. I just it's learned something. Yeah, the uh, farmer. They, they were all, they're all getting in on that farmer's almanac money, you know? I mean, they've been going a long time. One That's of them, I don't, cash. I don't have the stats in front of me, but one of them claims that it's a, it's a secret formula that it's like kept in a box. It's really interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Here, here we go. It's like so grandma's old, grandma's old recipe, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. real weird, and nobody looks at it except the the keeper of the the recipe. All right, so the farmer's almanac. We can't show this here because you know this is a podcast. But imagine uh, what it'll show is you can find this online. Just Google uh, Farmers Almanac Winter 2021 Forecast. And over the Pacific Northwest, their little map says mild and dry. But in the text where they talk about the patterns they expect, it says a rainy and wet winter. So there you go. They got it all covered. Got it? <laughs> all right. So then the old Farmers Almanac, that's the other one, of course. This one's a little bit better. If you look at their map over the western part of the Pacific Northwest, it says wet. You wait, I didn't do right. Wet, you bet. That's what it says. <laughs> <laughs> that's west of the Cascades. And then east of the Cascades, it says, quote, snow pelting, then melting. Got it? Okay. Jeff is just laughing. Do you have any comments yet, Jeff? I have more, but go ahead. <laughs> Not yet, no. Okay. So then in this old farmer's home, and I remember we're talking about the second one, uh, then they say below normal snowfall for our area, and then colder and drier than normal. I don't know what that means. So 
Your next thought is, how accurate is this? And Brian, you alluded to this. We kind of did a study. You even presented this at a professional meteorological conference, as I recall. I did. Yes, I did. So we studied 2010 to 2013. So we should update this, but I'm pretty sure it'll be the same. Uh, 2010 to 2013, for the Portland area, the temperatures were correct 28% of the time. So you would have better odds if you just flipped a coin. And for precipitation... Uh, 50% of the time. So eh, maybe you could flip a coin. It's about the same. So there you go. Got there it. That's go. what's going to happen this winter. <laughs> Are you more confused? Because I am now. <laughs> <laughs> I was the one that read it, and I'm still confused. <laughs> it is a really fun read, though, I have to admit. Like, if you yes. pick one up, it's really fun to, you know, go through it. And uh, it's uh, it's pretty detailed, actually, when you when you look through it. They had an excellent, I mean, four years ago, they had this excellent uh, coconut cream pie recipe in there. And I think I may have made it. It was really good, I think. Or was it carrot cake? It was one of those. I forgot they have recipes too. Oh, it's great. That's great. All right. Hey, let's get to our extreme weather. Extreme weather. All right. Well, Hurricane Delta now churning in the Gulf of Mexico as a Category 2 storm as of right now. But uh, it, it moved past... Uh, the Yucatan Peninsula and through the resort areas of Cozumel and Cancun. Have you guys been to those locations, by the way? Have you been to either? I've never been, no. No, I've, I've never uh, been either. I've been to Cozumel. Have, Cozumel, yes. Cozumel, okay. Yeah, the storm caused some streets to collapse out there and knocked out power to over 260,000 customers. As of uh, Thursday afternoon, the hurricane was located uh, about 310 miles south of Louisiana, but that is going to kind of uh, veer toward, really, over the past several days, the bullseye has been on Louisiana. The, the, the tracking has been right at Louisiana, and that hasn't changed here. Right now, packing uh, sustained winds of 105 miles an hour, gusting to around 125 miles an hour. But, uh, Jeff, I know you've been following Hurricane Delta closely. Yeah. It's been interesting because it's been a really active hurricane season or tropical storm season. We get, went through the whole alphabet. Now we're on the Greek letters. That's right. We're already at Delta. We still have two months left of hurricane season. It's crazy. Um, I believe that we average 12 named storms in the Atlantic Basin per year. This is number 25. Yeah. Wow. wow. And obviously, yeah, we're in the, the Greek alphabet now. Uh, what's interesting about Hurricane Delta, I remember Monday morning, it was early on Good Day, Oregon. I had it brought, I, we, I was kind of covering it for a brief period of time. And it was packing maxine winds, I believe, in the ballpark of a tropical depression on the verge of becoming a tropical storm. Um, between Monday morning and Tuesday morning, it was moving over the Western Caribbean Sea. And apparently that's the area in the Atlantic Ocean with the highest ocean heat content. So it was moving over very warm water and it underwent rapid intensification. You've probably heard that term before. We've seen it happening a lot uh, during hurricane season. Um, But this system increased its wind speeds in a 24 hour period by 85 miles per hour. It over doubled the threshold needed for rapid intensification, which is only 35 miles per hour in 24 hours for a hurricane. So um, it made landfall in the Yucatan as a category two, uh, but it was a major hurricane in the Caribbean Sea. And now, as Brian mentioned, it's churning in the Gulf of Mexico. It's bearing down on Louisiana as a category two, could become a category three before it makes landfall. 
And if you're wondering, it, it seems like a major hurricane made landfall in Louisiana already. You're correct. That was Hurricane Laura back in August. Oh. And that was a Category 4 hurricane upon landfall. We covered that in one or two of our podcasts already. Um, so uh, needless to say, Louisiana doesn't need any more landfalling hurricanes. It looks like it's going to happen. And it's amazing, Brian. I, I just want to echo what you said. This forecast track... Uh, with a landfall around Louisiana has been been in place for several days and it hasn't moved much. So it sounds like the National Hurricane Center has been nailing this one. Um, and, and I hope it doesn't happen, of course, but at least they gave the residents in Louisiana plenty of uh, time ahead to kind of prepare for this one. Yeah, they're worried about deadly uh, storm surges here with this one as well. Right. A lot of moisture and those strong winds, of course, here. Right now, it looks like it could uh, make landfall as a Category 2 hurricane. We'll see. Uh, you know, those really warm waters there in the Gulf of Mexico can strengthen these storms really fast. Yeah, and I think uh, the forecast right now for storm surge in Louisiana is somewhere between 7 and 11 feet. And I know a lot of us in the Pacific Northwest don't really know what storm surge means. So imagine you have the ocean, which obviously in normal circumstances sits at sea level. Um, but a storm surge basically means that the sea level rises a certain amount. When I say 7 to 11 feet, it rises 7 to 11 feet above sea level. And then the wind, uh, the storm itself pushes that water inland. And that's what is one of the the big concerns around Louisiana is the storm surge uh, hitting an area that's already been flooded and devastated, such as Lake Charles, which a lot of people are still recovering with tarps on the roofs and uh, storm damage from August. So it's really this has been an incredible hurricane season. And there's been kind of a telecommunication going on in the atmosphere where we just experienced warm conditions with wildfires and hurricane season kind of quieted down. They were cooling down over the eastern United States. Now we have a pattern shift going on where we have rain arriving, mountain snow, uh, not a lot of mountain snow, but lowering snow levels. And uh, meanwhile, hurricane season is ramping up once again. So it's it's really interesting just to watch how this is playing out. Yep, and we'll be, of course, tracking that here. Uh, uh, thankfully, you know, we don't have to deal with hurricanes uh, because of our cold waters off of the, uh, off of the uh, coast in the Pacific out this direction. But, boy, they have been hit hard uh, out there in the Gulf this year. And I, we have uh, one of our favorite people, our, our old news director, our old uh, – well, yeah, she was, she was the person that hired me and, and you, Jeff, uh, recently moved to become the general manager down there in Mobile, Alabama – and uh, she, she's just been, I mean, <laughs> what, a, what a culture shift. I know. <laughs> I know to have to deal with all this, but uh, it's certainly been uh, exciting in that newsroom, I'm sure, out there uh, in the Gulf. All right, guys. I got a little something for you here this week. Oh. Let's, uh, let's move on to our Cities of the Week. Time now for Cities of the Week. All right, it's my turn here for this one, and uh, I think I got a good one for you. All right, are you guys ready? I'm sure. ready. You guys Let's at home can play along. Basically, I'm going to give some clues about a particular city in Oregon, and uh, the guys have to, to guess what it is. It's as simple as that, and a uh, good way to learn geography, too. All right, this was incorporated as a city in 1911. It sits at an elevation of over 2,000 feet. Okay. Is oh. this in Oregon? Oh, Mark's already going to guess. It you is said, in Oregon, yes. yes. Oh, you said that. Okay, sorry. Do I get a buzzer yeah. just for that dumb question? 
The original name for this city was actually rejected by the U.S. Postal Service because it was similar to another post office uh, back in the early 1900s. That original name uh, was Palmain, and it sounded too much like Parman, so they decided to uh, change the name altogether. Okay, got any guesses? You really narrowed it down there, Brian. All right, all right, here wow. we go. You stopped I'm gonna me. continue here. This might this might give it away, but uh, an Army Corps base was built uh, nearby during World War II. The airfield now serves as this city's airport. I, I got it. I got it. You got it. You got it, Mark. Sun River. No, I'm sorry, not Sun River. Oh, no, not the buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts. Uh, let's see here. This uh, this city's name also uh, is shared with a major city in India. Jeff, you got it? Uh, no, I don't have it yet. <laughs> Mark knows it, I can tell. Yeah. Go, Mark. Yes, Mark. In fact, I've spent two days at that airport during the eclipse. Madras, right? Yes, yes, it is. Oh. It's Madras, Oregon. Yes. Uh, yeah, and in fact, that, that, that was the spot for the eclipse here in Oregon uh, back in 2017, because that was a spot that guaranteed you the best weather that day, huh. right, Mark? And it was great. A little thin fire smoke made for a little extra color, and that was amazing. So, and everybody was out there on the on the air, on the airstrip, right? Isn't that where you, you know, set up shop? That was amazing. Yeah. So people that morning, if remember the eclipse was at 10 a.m. and that morning, yep. right away at sunrise, jet after jet started flying into this little airport. I mean, it was almost constant leading up to the eclipse. Big jets, and I had to talk to some of the people that flew in because, you know, then they get out and they're walking around. And it was like families from the Bay Area, families from Los Angeles, and they flew in for the day. And as soon as the eclipse ended, immediately it was like this loud, just like this screaming noise of um, dozens of jets lined up to take off. And he said, we plan to be back in um, wherever it was, like San Jose by 2 p.m. for lunch. So it was just amazing to see that much action at a small airport. And I bet you the next day, nothing. So like the world converged there and then everybody left. Right, because the population there, you guys, is only around 6,000 people. And, and they do have a lot of restaurants there on that main drag and grocery yep. stores and stuff like that. But uh, it's, I mean, I, I lived in Bend and I didn't really stop much in Madras. I mean, it's, you know, it's. Uh, for, for a lot of people, you just you kind of drive through because it's light right along Highway 97. It is a warm place uh, in the summertime, uh, in the heat of the summer, it averages uh, between 85 and 90 degrees for high temperatures. And in the wintertime, in uh, December, January, averages right around 40 degrees. So, it can, it, you know, high desert up there in elevation, and it, it can be pretty cool. They do get a lot of snow there in the winter at times, about 12 inches per year. And uh, I think we get a little bit more as you work your way south towards Bend. But, um, yeah, Madras, Oregon, great job. And just a side note, again, we're recording this on Thursday. I think I said Madras about 17 times this morning on Good Day Oregon because their air quality was in the unhealthy category. It was one of those spots in central Oregon that is dealing with the wildfire smoke from California once again. So hopefully things clear up in the next couple of days when folks are listening to the podcast. Shout out to all of our friends in Madras. I'm looking forward to yeah. heading out there one of these days. Go check it out, man. Uh, thanks, guys. This was fun. As we always. Had, uh, well, yeah, we're going to be back here again, uh, I believe, next week. So make sure to uh, subscribe, and it'll just pop right up in your phone. It'll let you know when our next episode pops up. Until next time, guys. We'll see you soon. <laughs>
Do you have a weather question? Call 503-548-6484 and leave a message. It could be featured on a future episode. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Fox 12 Weather Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Head to kptv.com for the latest forecast and weather information for your area.